This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Stryker, and today we're going to talk about the draft with Steeler Nation's resident draft guru, Matt Papiernik. Matt, how you doing, man? Doing good. Good to, you know, just start getting back into the swing of things when it comes to sports. I know around uh, this time of the year, normally everything's gearing up with uh, a lot of different sports going on, and the draft brings football back into our life. But uh, right now, this draft's the only sports any of us uh, fans are kind of getting. This is it. You're exactly right. I mean, Steeler fans, sports fans, no games, no competition. So having the draft, I think, is going to be kind of a game changer for the normal sports enthusiast who may or may not sit down and watch the draft normally during the year or normally during normal years because, like you're saying, you always already have um, NBA, you've got NHL going on, you've got some soccer and some international soccer. But this time of the year, it's the only game in town for this uh, for this pandemic. So I'm expecting huge numbers to be watching the draft. I expect everybody to be in their seats as opposed to just maybe following online or following on Twitter or just checking the picks every once in a while just because there's nothing else to see for anybody that's a real sports enthusiast. And NFL is still king. So if uh, they've got something going on and it's something newsworthy like the draft – I'm expecting a lot of real, real high numbers, like possibly, you know, Monday night football numbers, maybe bordering on playoff numbers uh, for these, for the viewership. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. I'm sure the numbers will be higher than in recent years. I'm also interested to see uh, how the visuals will actually look with it not being an in-person draft. You know, everyone's going to be drafting from their respective locations at all being online. So it'll yep. be interesting to see what visuals they put up and if they go from team to team, seeing them draft or how they announce it. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, and I was discussing with Mark Cabali last week when we were going over the draft, and this came up as well. And I, I thought it's at least one positive for this pandemic happening while at this time in our technological uh, experience or history is the young people right now are so rooted and understand how to build a brand and how to utilize Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, there's going to be so many different options. Facebook Live. I think there's going to be a lot of different options going to be utilized in this draft. And as opposed to sending camera crews over to prospective draft people's homes and, and possibly spreading a virus or potentially spreading a virus, I think it's safe just for everybody essentially to self-broadcast. And they've got that potential to do that this year. Yeah, definitely. It will be a different experience for sure. I'm just hoping, uh, at least when the Steelers are picking, we don't experience any technical difficulties. (laughs) I only feel sorry for whoever is drafting immediately in front of the Patriots. Possibly they might jam your draft board so uh, you can't get your pick off in time and they get to jump. So that's the only thing I can think of. (laughs) Obviously, I'm jesting Patriots fans. Really, I'm not, but I am. So moving on, I know at least one other interesting aspect, I guess, of the draft that I find interesting is think about the draft room itself. You always had three to four drafts. reporters as well as two to three draft analysts and all of those people are going to be have to be on their own essentially screen i mean this may be a zone a a zoom type meeting effect or a skype multi-meeting to bring everyone in to communicate to communicate at the same time but i i think it's going to also create some real interesting moments 
when you have people that aren't in studio to be able to just to lean over to their side and whisper something in somebody's ear and say, hey, what about this? What about this? We might get some actual true moments of some actual disagreements on draft picks and, during this draft. So that might be interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. People aren't going to be able to uh, just read off a teleprompter quite as easily and as updated based on everything going on around them in the group. It's going to be uh, individuals getting each of their own information. So won't be able to communicate off camera to people as quickly as normal. So really, and brand new and I'm really excited. It is. And it's going to be fun. And that's, that's, even though the Steelers don't have a dog in the race on day one in the draft, I honestly think that the format with everything going on, the possibility of glitches and the possibility of seeing something you've never seen before, which is definitely going to happen no matter what the way this format is anyway, makes it just really must see TV for this, this specific draft. So I'm really looking forward to it and moving on too. I, I need to talk to you specifically, Matt, I mean, you've been doing an awesome job on your draft evaluations. You obviously put a lot of time into your mock drafts that come out weekly. And today you just released, or was it early last night, you released your three round full mock. And it's amazing it, the, the amount of time that you put into these things. So we're really happy to have you on the show to talk to Steeler Nation exactly about what kind first off, I guess, what I'd like to know is when you're doing a full three round mock draft, you obviously have to come up with the needs for every single team and kind of weigh that against the value of the picks that are available. So what is your method to determining draft needs for every team? First off. It's, it's, it's more of an art than a science. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. So you kind of got to, not only weigh um, just who's currently on the roster, who you see as, oh, well, who has one year left on their contract, who might be coming off an injury, who could be on the trade block, all yeah. those other things, and who they have to play against. So, you know, up until obviously this year when the Bills were drafting, they were saying, oh, hey, how do we got to stop Tom Brady? Yeah. Now, obviously, they have a different draft need because people like Tom Brady are out of vision, stuff like that. So, there's a lot that goes into it, and to be honest, until you you don't kind of encompass all of that at once, it, it takes several weeks to dig through all of that and several iterations you were mock draft where you go through and say, okay, well, that just doesn't make sense because they wouldn't do that. Yeah. And then you over over the weeks, you kind of figure out, you know, who fits where. You see all the rumors going around of who's talking to who, who's mm -hmm. thinking about trading up and stuff. And, yeah. you know, if you want to throw trades into it, it's, that's a whole nother universe that could complicate things. So it's, uh, there, there's an art to it, but, uh, it's a scientific art. That's for sure. And that is a great point too, because the ultimate variable in any draft is trades and you don't know who really values a player and wants to move up to a specific spot and then also have that trading partner that's willing to trade out of that spot for draft value. Um, the draft value may not be there, number one, so a lot of trades normally don't happen, but if the value is there and a, and a trade can be made, there's going to be a lot of motion going on. And I do understand that I've just read a couple articles that it seems like the Washington Redskins are putting the number two pick in play. So that might raise a lot of eyebrows for a lot of these teams that are trying to get that second quarterback, and they now may have to move to the two spot to get it. Yeah, definitely. Um, trades are oftentimes unexpected when it comes to draft day. You know, you get an idea that you know these teams might trade it for a quarterback, and then it's super unexpected who actually ends up moving. Mm. Like, I think it was two years ago, maybe three years ago, when the Saints traded two first-round picks to get up, and people thought they were going for Lamar Jackson. But no, they went for Davenport, the edge rusher. Mm. So it was just one of those, you know, no one, no one saw it coming. People thought they were going after Drew Brees' uh, successor, but no, they just wanted to bolster their pass rush. But, uh, yeah, and a couple people this year, such as the Redskins, maybe even the Lions, Dolphins, Chargers, Cardinals, all of them up top, the Browns even. Yeah. A lot of trades swirling around. And even the Steelers, there's thoughts of them trading back, thoughts of them trading up. Mm -hmm. They have 
only a few draft picks this year. So it's not just the early round trades that are, um, you know, tough to tough to kind of predict. The late round trades are even harder because you don't know who's going to slide. You don't know who's going to trade up for someone. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. And sometimes the late round ones end up being the biggest steals out of them all. Yeah. Yeah. We, Antonio Brown is definitely one of those people that we made a, made a huge, huge move for. And I know I just did an article on that. I believe that one will be releasing either today or tomorrow on, on SteelerNation.com. But you're right. You do not know how these drafts are going to go. But I do think that the draft value is going to be there kind of all over the draft for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've been doing a little bit of research because I've been writing – a draft article every day kind of revisiting drafts and I and through a lot of my research I put together an interesting interesting fact and I believe that the Steelers are probably the single best equipped team into entering this draft and being able to pull off a lot of late draft talent and it's the way that they go about the drafting process number one best player available is always their mantra obviously they kind of rank that or lean that toward their needs when the BPAs are matching. But another big aspect of it is they have had consistency with their head coach and their director of football operations slash GM for the past 51 years. This will be the 52nd year in a row where they've always had a at least one, at least a coach, or a GM slash director of football operations that has continued in every single draft. There's always been overlap for the past 51 years. And that's something that a lot of teams, I mean, I'll say pretty much every other team in the league can't do that. They they haven't done that. And it was 1969 when Noel came in and uh, Rooney decided, Dan Rooney decided to become the director of football operations in 69. That was the last year that the Steelers had to hire a director of football operations slash GM and a coach in the exact same year. And I keep saying director of football operations is because the Steelers used that term up until 2011 when they named Colbert, who had already been on the team since 2001, as the uh, director of football operations, but they moved his title to becoming a general manager in 2011. So every other team uses the moniker general manager. It used to be more commonly used as director of football operations a little bit longer ago, but just having that kind of consistency, we understand that kind of consistency with our coaches. It's always talked about, but now we're talking about that kind of consistency with our front office and our drafting teams. And not only does that give them the advantage for, been there, done that. I mean, they they've they remember the times before technology when you had to use phone calls and you're sitting in your own place without even visuals just to call people and make your draft selections. And that's where some of the best drafts ever occurred for the Steelers in the 70s. So we're at a situation now where a lot of teams are not able to do that kind of homework on their on a lot of these players because with COVID-19 and the outbreak, not a whole lot of in-person meetings. You're not really getting a complete picture of a lot of players. You're getting a lot of quick information kind of slapped at you. But with the Steelers process, I think that their ability to figure out talent consistency late in drafts helps them out in something like this, whereas a lot of other teams might be just throwing darts at a wall after the fourth. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you probably touched on it as much as anyone, the consistency. I mean, especially in a draft like this where you didn't get to bring in players for private workouts. You didn't have all the pro days. You know, you had the scouting combine, a handful of pro days, and maybe a handful of in-person meetings, but the rest has all been phone calls and based on the game tape. Yeah. Outside of a couple players that held their own individual pro days, like Tua did and some others. Yeah. But uh, so there's not a lot of the extra, you know, workouts that and meetings that people are having outside of uh, phone calls, maybe Skypes and FaceTimes and stuff of that nature. But so it's really going to come down to tail of the tape and having the consistency from year to year and understanding how your team operates, how your coaches operate, how your front office operates. That's going to be more important than ever this year than years past. So they're in a very lucky situation, and they have been for a very long time, as you said, 50-plus years. So yeah, so yeah. definitely uh, – 
blessing that us Steelers fans have come to know and love. So let's uh, switch gears now and go back to your your draft. And I want to at least understand, I know we talked about how you select your players' needs for the teams. That's awesome, and I'm glad you really got into depth with that for us. Then secondly, the next thing that you need to do is kind of evaluate talent and kind of how it should fall in the draft as far as a, a ranking. And you've also done a, a big board, correct? Or a top correct. 100? Yeah I, posted yeah. A, yeah, I posted a big board as well as compiled uh, mine and CJ's big board uh, and got that out a couple days ago. Perfect. And so Steelers fans, any fan of football, SteelerNation.com, we've got your big boards. Go and check it out, and also you can jump on to the three-round full mock, which Matt just released, which we're going to start going over a little bit now. So if you guys want to follow along, hop on there. Um, but I at least wanted to just touch base on the first 10 picks because these are always usually your consistent top 10 best players in college football coming to the pros. So let's kind of work out. I mean, obviously a lot of the news right now for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow seems to be the consensus pick that everybody thinks that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to take. And, you know, outside of a trade, obviously it seems like he's probably the safest bet then to be the number one pick. Oh, definitely. The Bengals are zoned in on Joe Burrow and I can't blame him after the performance he had last year. And, They've been having weekly and daily meetings with him ever since um, the college football season ended. So it's kind of uh, the worst kept secret that uh, <laughs> they want him as their next franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And then you follow up the Joe Burrow pick with two Ohio State players. So talk about your reasonings for slotting those two to Washington and Detroit. Yeah, so second and third, I have Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Young is far and away the best player in the draft, in my opinion. Both TJ and him had him as our number one player, and we both actually had Okuda as the number two. So the fact that they're being two and three here is um, not much of a surprise. Chase Young, dominant edge rusher. To be honest, I feel he should be the first pick. Mm -hmm. But, you know, quarterbacks tend to take precedence sometimes, especially with Mm -hmm. new coaches and new offensive minds coming in. They want to draft their guy. So. Um, Chase Young going to Washington. They don't even have a huge needed edge rusher. They do have mm-hmm. some current talent there, but it's too hard to pass up a talent like Chase Young. And like you said, they've been fielding some calls, but it's going to take a lot for them to trade out of that. And then Okuda, the Lions desperately need a number one corner. They just traded Slay away earlier this mm-hmm. offseason. Oh, Okuda is the number one. Yeah, Okuda is the number one corner this year. He he's a great man-to-man corner, long strong, fast, great mo- great fluidity in his hips. He locked down many number ones throughout the last year or two at Ohio State. If you watch the Clemson game especially, he performed very well against two potential number one wide receivers over the next two years. So he, he fits well there. But I mm. could easily see the Lions trading down for a team that needs a quarterback and mm. still being able to snag Okuda a mm. couple picks later. That would be a lot of great draft value if they could pull that off. But obviously – with the draft, you don't want to lose the guy you're trying to target initially, but that's one of the fun things of the draft. And now we're moving down to a pair of offensive tackles and another quarterback in your next three picks. So first one being the offensive tackle from Iowa to the Giants. Yeah, so Tristan Worf, he he was one of the top two tackle prospects, mm-hmm. maybe even top three. There's a big four there, but, you know, me and uh, CJ have a little bit of a slight difference in our rankings on him, but uh-huh. he, after the combine, he proved to be the by far the best athlete of the four, and gotcha. he's just kind of wowed people on the field and in the um, in his workouts. So he's kind of been a consensus top lineman for a lot of people, and mm-hmm. I don't think the Giants could go wrong passing up someone to protect their future franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. So their offensive line desperately needs the help. True, and then the next one is a big name that we've always been hearing about where Miami was supposedly supposed to tank for Tua. Now they didn't tank. They won some games, and they still might end up getting him according to your draft. Yeah, here I slotted in Tua, and I went back and forth on whether I thought it would be Tua or Justin Herbert. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, they've been, you know, in love with Tua from the start, and there's a lot of this Herbert hype growing, but 
I just don't see it happening. Even with Tua and some of the medical concerns, everything I've read, his medicals are doing great. All the doctors are saying, "Oh yeah, there's no risk of re-injury." Okay. He should be set. He should be set. Now, obviously, I don't think a lot of what's coming out is from his doctor and his surgeons. I don't think they're going to say, "Oh, by the way, my surgery eh, it might not hold up." <laughs> but that's true. Nobody wants but, to um, say I that. Just, I just don't see the Dolphins being able to pass up the guy they had their hopes on for the last 14 months now. And then you have another tackle going to the Chargers from Georgia? Yep, Andrew Thomas. He is one of the other guys that a lot of people view as a potential top tackle in this draft. I have him a little lower personally. I have him as the third or fourth offensive tackle, mainly for upside. I think some of the other guys have a little bit higher upside, but there's no doubt that Andrew Thomas has been solid, and the Chargers have definitely been showing that they are – big on him as well. There's been a lot of rumors flying around that he is but he is their number one tackle on their boards. Mm. And some people have a QB slotted there where it could be a spot for Justin Herbert, but uh mm-hmm. everything coming out of uh, Los Angeles says that uh they really like um Tyrod Taylor and that he's gonna be their guy heading in. He could be more of just a bridge quarterback. So only way to tell is to protect him, give him some weapons and try him out. So I think they're going to do that instead of um, moving on to the next quarterback. And number seven, the Carolina Panthers then are on the clock, and you have them taking a big def- defensive lineman from Auburn. Yeah, Derek Brown. He, mm-hmm. Him and Chase Young were viewed as two of the top prospects for a large portion of the year, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because Derek Brown was a dominating force for Auburn. Panthers have a little bit of a hole on the inside of their line. I went back and forth yeah. here because – they also just lost Luke Keekley, yeah. so maybe Isaiah Simmons could have been a pick. Mm. But, you know, Derek Brown, ultimately, he's a better fit, especially the Panthers do have still have Shaq Thompson there. And the Panthers don't have a lot in the center of the defensive line. And honestly, Derek Brown might be a steal here at the seventh pick. Mm. And you just touched on Isaiah Simmons, who you have going the following pick to Arizona Cardinals. What do you see in his game, and where does he line up uh, along in linebacker spots? which best suits his talents. Yeah, so for the Cardinals, they have a multiple different ways they could go. They could easily go with an offensive tackle here. Mm-hmm. Um, they could go with a corner opposite Patrick Peterson. But ultimately, I chose Isaiah Simmons. He is by far the most versatile player in this draft, in my opinion. And that is a strength, but also could be his biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, since he is so versatile, he doesn't fit the typical linebacker mold very well. And that's okay. not because he won't be a good linebacker if they stuck him there. It's just that's not the best way to utilize his talent. That's not how Clemson utilizes talent. Mm-hmm. And you would honestly be only hurting yourself if you just pegged him as a linebacker. He has capability of playing safety and getting deep. He has capability of covering the slot. He has capability of wow. rushing off the edge. He has capability mm-hmm. of being a linebacker in the middle. Mm-hmm. To be honest, he reminds me a lot of Orion stage here, but mm-hmm. not quite as big and as uh, strong as a hitter, so he definitely fits today's NFL being a little more coverage-oriented. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will definitely help the Cardinals as they were getting destroyed time and time again by tight ends last year. And Isaiah Simmons is a perfect guy to fit in today's NFL. And that's amazing to me, too, because now that hybrid money-backer position that we've started to coin here the past three, four years in these drafts, I mean, now we're talking about one going in the top ten. So that's kind of amazing how the the game has changed and progressed so that you need your linebackers to be as good at tackling as they are at, at covering and to be speedy like a safety as well and be able to move them around to create advantages and tough ways for offenses to try to match up against those defenses. Yeah, definitely. As the game's growing and changing, these players are too, and it's amazing. They seem to always be bigger, stronger, and faster every year, and I just don't know how it keeps happening. I know, it's insane. <laughs> it is insane. And then now you have your third quarterback coming off the board in the nine slot to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. So the Jaguars have always been kind of my sleeper team to take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel they would ever trade up because it seems like they are somewhat content with Gardner Minshew after trading away Nick Foles. But mm-hmm. if someone like if the, one of the big three fall to them, I don't think they can pass them up. Mm. Minshew showed some promise and some moxie last year, but uh, 
he just doesn't seem to have the upside that someone like Justin Herbert would have here. And with uh, them kind of moving on and rebuilding their franchise after the recent teardown and all the trades they've been doing, mm-hmm. I think it might be uh, well served for them to snag this uh, big arm quarterback who might actually be best sitting for a little while behind Gardner Minshew and, you know, taking in and learning the NFL as Herbert's biggest flaw has been, you know, just some of the timing with the summer receivers seem to be a little late on throws and Mm -hmm. in the NFL, that's only going to get worse typically. So him having extra time to just get his timing down and see what the NFL windows are like, I think that'll do well for him. And Jacksonville would, would be a wise to be able to grab the next franchise quarterback. Now, normally I'd stop here at number 10, but what I found really interesting about your draft and is something that, a lot of people are considering this this draft is deep and strong at both tackle and at wide receiver and it's some of the the most depth I've ever seen in wide receiver I know you you probably know more about the tackle aspect since you uh, check out more of the positions and their abilities but since as opposed to just stopping at 10 I want to go on your next five picks because your next five picks are three tackles and two wide receivers. And I want to start talking about some wide receivers too, just because I love wide receivers. I think they're exciting. A lot of fans find them to be exciting. So let's start off here with the first tackle with the Cleveland Browns that you picked from Louisville. Yeah, so with the Cleveland Browns, I went with Beckton out of Louisville. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his first name, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but um, but uh, he, he is a physical specimen, to say the least. This mm-hmm. dude is 6'8". Mm. 340 pounds and Jeez. can move like a defensive end half the time, it seems like. Wow. So it's crazy that, you know, a man that big can be as agile as he is. But um, mm. him and who I have next to the Jets, Jedrick Wills, is they're both kind of um, – I'm unsure which one's going to go first. I'm unsure which one Cleveland would have their eye on. There's a lot of talk about Cleveland trading down and having their eye on some other tackles. So, uh, yeah. Beckton, to me, has the highest upside out of any of them just because of pure size and mm. athletic ability. So flip him into the Browns here with Jedrick Wills falling in right behind him to the Jets. And mm. honestly, I don't think either team can go wrong with either of them. Both of them should have pretty good potential as um, starting tackles early on. So mm. I don't think uh, whether it goes one way or the other that either team will be disappointed. And then you have uh, two wide receivers going then to the Las Vegas Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, so like you said, this class is very wide receiver heavy and very deep, especially over the first couple rounds. But there are some questions on whether either of the top wide receivers, who would be C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy, would be you know, that absolute stud wide receiver, that Calvin Johnson, that Julio Jones, yeah. if they truly have that upside. I, it, both of them look great to me. Um, I have CD Lamb ranked ever so slightly higher, and it's mainly for just what he could do after the catch with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Anymore, the NFL is get the ball to your playmakers and let them do what they do best, and that's make people miss and make plays with the ball in their hands. So mm-hmm. I have him going to the Raiders, and that's what kind of the Raiders always seem to do. They always seem to grab the guy who's a little bit better of athlete, a little more flashy, a little more of a big play potential. Mm-hmm. Whereas Judy going to the 49ers, I think I don't think that could be a better fit. Judy is able to be used all over the field. He's an excellent route runner, very polished, very quick. Mm. He's ready to start produce day one, which 49ers and that offensive game plan just fits absolutely perfectly. As I mean, we saw it last year with Debo Samuels, who was a little raw in some of his other things once you got the ball in his hand he was great and I think having someone like Judy who's nice polished and finished yep. as a wide receiver project really will fit well there nice and then we'll finish it up with this last tackle and last wide receiver I'm going to kick it down to all the way down to 15 it looks like here so Tampa Bay you have taken a tackle and then the de- the next pick at 15 you have the Denver Broncos taking a receiver talk about them yeah so the Bucks here and I even mentioned this on the mock draft article they're in kind of a weird spot here. I could see them either trading up or trading down because they really need an offensive tackle. Mm. So I had them taking Josh Jones here because he's the next offensive tackle I think that will go. I think our NFL rooms have him rated pretty highly. Mm. I believe some people are reporting that he actually has some of the biggest 
uh, gap in evaluation. Some people have them as a mid-first rounder. Some people have them as low as a high third rounder. So that's wow. a large gap for someone that might go in the first round. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I don't think the Bucks will actually keep this pick, but I didn't project any trade, so I just went with who fit them best. And yeah. Josh Jones projecting Tom Brady. I Projecting Tom Brady is going to be the way Number they win. Yeah. You don't. If you don't project him, you ain't going to win, especially with them just getting Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Yep. That just You're went right. through, you yeah. know, yep. two hours ago. Yep. Yep. So, so they, they've he's got talent. time to get the ball to all these weapons. Yep. So. And they've got Godwin and they've got Evans. They've got great receivers on the edge. I mean, heck, it's Winston had 5,000 passing yards last year and 30 touchdowns to those guys. So, I mean, they it's, a, it's lucky for Brady that he gets to go into a system with uh, Bruce Arians, who we know very well, who likes to, to chuck that football down the field. And it's a great situation for a quarterback like Brady that knows how to complete balls to his talent. It's, it looks like you're going to be putting up some numbers next year. But you're right, that tackle position does seem to be the best way to make sure he's protected. Yeah, some people are wondering if this offense is going to rival that offense that had uh, Tom Brady, Randy Moss, Dante Stallworth, Wes Welker. You know, you had... Mm-hmm. With all of those passing touchdown records, I don't think it's going to be quite that great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Josh Jones will go a long way in order to make sure that Tom Brady has all the times he needs. His and o- then, yeah. His offensive line, I don't think, is, is is there yet from where the Patriots was. But if he does get that time and that offensive line gels, they're going to be dangerous no matter what. But, yeah, getting back to your last pick then, number 15, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Denver Broncos, they seem to have found their uh, franchise quarterback last year, Drew Locke, and um, they just really need some help on the outside. And that's where I still added Henry Ruggs the third here. Henry Ruggs is by far the most explosive wide receiver in this draft. He, if you give him the ball, there's a chance he can go 80 yards and take it to the house no matter where he is on the field. He has elite speed, elite, elite athletic ability. And some people are even saying he might go ahead of C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy if some team falls in love with him. Mm. So I think he would fit really well with Broncos because Drew Locke has a big arm, and he'll be able to spread the field and help him out with uh, Sutton on the other side. I know they traded away Emmanuel Sanders last year, so there's not a whole lot of other options for them to throw to. So Denver is also a team I could see possibly trading up with a team like Cleveland to go and snag one of those wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Henry Ruggs fits in well here, and you know I have him ranked around the twenty or so, mm-hmm. and I think that he is a extremely explosive player, and mm-hmm. it'll be exciting to see him play, and especially with Denver and what could be a high-powered offense moving forward with Drew Locke at the helm. Great, and now we're going to slide into day two of the draft. I know the Steelers are picking at forty-nine. We're not really expecting them to move up. That would be really out of what they out of character of what they do, especially with as little draft capital as they have to move around from giving away picks. So obviously they gave away their first rounder to acquire Minka Fitzpatrick and then they lost their true third round pick when they acquired uh, to move up to get Devin Bush. So right now they're sitting at their own true pick for number two slot at number forty nine and talk to the Steelers then on who you slotted in on that spot for Steeler Nation. Yeah, so the Steelers are in a good spot to where they can honestly take best player available. Like you said, that's always kind of been their motto. Yeah. And they do have a few holes to fill. You know, going through the draft, I look, you know, they need a kind of need an offensive lineman, whether it be a guard or a tackle. Mm-hmm. Either one could definitely be a pick. They could use a safety to um, pair with Minka. I know they have Pharrell Edmonds, but there's been talk of him kind of filling in as a possibly this dime linebacker role, mm-hmm. or maybe then they have zero depth behind them. Um, there's talk of them taking a dime linebacker type player to be that kind of Isaiah Simmons type player. Yeah. Um, there's running back wide receiver, you know, there's a lot of people going all kinds of different ways with the Steelers and here, just the way it worked out. Um, I managed to snag one of the most athletic players in the draft and Jalen Rager or Rieger. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce his last name, yeah. but out of TCU, mm. he's a, he's an explosive player. He, didn't run as fast as he wanted to combine, but he still ran pretty fast, in my opinion, with a four four seven. Mm. His jumps and his shuttle runs were off the charts. Mm. He had now crazy. He had a crazy spark percentage when you factor in his size. What is his so size? He's just too? Up, 
Uh, he's around the 5'10", 5'11", and right around the 200 to 210 pound range. Great. Yeah, he's great size. So, yeah, yeah so he he's he definitely has a thick build, and he doesn't have necessarily the height, but he had over a 40-inch vertical, so he could definitely get up and get passes if he needs to. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, there were a couple people I considered here, a couple people that I have done previously in the mock drafts. You know, previously I've drafted J.K. Dobbins here. Previously I've had Antoine Winfield Jr. Mm-hmm. I've even had uh, Kyle Duggar here previously, who could be that safety slash dime linebacker player. So going with uh, a wide receiver here definitely uh, adds an element to the Steelers' offense that I think they could definitely need. They do have a solid three receivers coming back at the top of the depth chart with uh, Juju, Washington, and Johnson, but uh, can never have too many weapons, especially with Juju in a contract year and Big Ben coming back. It'll be interesting, and he, this is honestly just a great value here, and um, Jalen could be a fringe first-round prospect with how well he performed at the Combine. So the way it worked out, I don't see how they could pass him up. And I agree with you as well. I honestly think that this first pick, if you know a, a stud center or interior lineman that can also play center like Ruiz or Cushenberry, if if they're honestly if they're available in that pick, that's who I'm taking. Um, I, I know that they guard is really the only spot that the Steelers don't have a true starter. They've picked up. Wisniewski, he's more of a spot starter and a veteran presence, and to me, he's kind of replaced B.J. Finney as opposed to being that guy that we're expecting to to replace Ramon Foster as a starter. So then we talked within internally within the Steelers is like, hey, is, is Matt Feeler then going to move from right tackle to guard? Because that's in the air. And then if you do that, now your offensive tackle, right tackle spot is now in question because, you know, you're going to have Chooks come up and be the starter. You're going to have Zach Banner do it. Obviously, that'll play out during training camp with all of those scenarios. But there is a lot of offensive line need. And to me, that would be the easiest way to kind of firm that up and to alleviate a little bit of anxiety knowing Pouncey's probably on his last year. He's going to he's you know, he's getting toward the end of his career. To tell you the truth, I know he wants to ride out with Ben. So if he's going to ride out with Ben, we're looking at another one, maybe two years left to Pouncey. Yeah, offensive line definitely uh, something that hasn't needed to be talked about the last few years in Pittsburgh. After I want to say it felt like ten years of constantly talking about it, trying to protect a Big Ben, but <laughs> the, they've been they've been lucky having some continuity along that offensive line the last few years and losing Foster hurt, um, losing Finney and free agency hurt, so they lost two guards and someone who's a place center. Like you said, getting Wesneski definitely helps and the potential of moving Filer over, but you know, even though they got that hole of guard, soon here they might have a hole of tackle. All of Filer, Banner, and Villanueva are all free agents after this year. Yeah. So even though they may not have an immediate need this year, in 2021, there's going to be decisions that need to be made. They're not going to pay all three of them. Yeah. And they may not even be able to pay two of them. So it it's something that's going to come up here soon. So offensive line is definitely on their mind. And I could see if, you know, one of the, one of the top tackles even fell, such as an Austin Jackson or, you know, say Josh Jones, like, I draft, like I had drafted early in the first round, somehow get that mid-second round. And someone like that, they may take the, take him, move Filer to guard, and say, yeah. hey, we got our right tackle of the future. Yeah, yeah, that could happen too. You're definitely right. There's another pay- player that I just want to touch base on. I know we also had uh, CJ do his draft mock-up today, and I, if, if there's a wide receiver on the board where we're sitting and those offensive linemen aren't there, it's the pick that you actually had going right before the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the super tall, super fast wide receiver out of Clemson, T. Higgins. Yeah, Higgins is one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft. I think his upside is through the roof. Mine and too, yeah. He's, he didn't have the production at Clemson, but it's only because Trevor Lawrence is so good and able to spread that ball around so much. I mean, they had Justin Ross. They mm-hmm. had a bunch of other guys that they could get the ball to. Yeah. So T. Higgins... Still put up good numbers, but it wasn't the numbers that you saw out of C.D. Lamb instead of the others. But T. Higgins reminds me a lot of Michael Burris coming out. He's tall, lanky, physical, has speed, excels on the outside, excels muscling around smaller corners. So 
he's someone that I would love if there was available for Steelers. And in mine, I had him going one pick before CJ was able to pick him in his. He's someone that I could see being a late first round pick if it fits. Yeah. Even so. Yeah. You know, he would, I don't think any Steelers fan would be mad if they would get him. But someone else who I also slightly wanted to talk about uh-huh. was um, Michael Pittman Jr. Okay. A lot of people are begging the Steelers to take Michael Pittman Jr. And what's, out of USC. They, and what's, oh, yes, yes. The, and that's where they got yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Another wide receiver out of USC. You know, the Steelers were fortunate. Juju fell to them, and they got him, and he turned out to be great so far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is another one of those guys who, you know, a high recruit, had a lot of uh, anticipation around his college career, you know, didn't necessarily put up these huge numbers, but not all necessarily because of his individual performances. It's more because USC kind of has stuttered a little bit in their program, and a lot of people are hoping the Steelers take him, and I have him going, you know, 13 picks later, but mm-hmm. it's such a deep wide receiver class. Yeah. If they trade back especially, he could definitely be a target for them, and, you know, it's it would, that would probably make more Steelers fans happy than I've seen in a long time <laughs> on someone that they anticipated taking. Nice. And there's another running back that a lot of Steeler fans are hoping for, and I, I hear this a lot on the Steeler Nation forum over at SteelerNation.com, and that is J.K. Dobbins, and you have him going uh, obviously about six picks earlier than the Steelers drafted to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, seven picks earlier. Yeah, so Dobbins, in my opinion, is one of the most complete backs in the draft. Obviously, I have a couple other going ahead of him, and mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, but... uh Dobbins can just do it all. He He's ready to step in and be a starter day one. He can run between tackles. He has the speed to get outside. He's a good pass blocker, especially for a college running back coming out, which we know that they tend to struggle with. Yeah, um, He can definitely catch passes out of the backfield. He worked his way downfield several times with Ohio State in the Buckeyes offense last year. So he's someone that is definitely ready to step in and would I think would compliment James Conner early on starting day one. But um, I think there's... In the beginning of the second round, there's a lot of teams that could be eyeing a running back because the top of this running back class is kind of all clustered together mm. with four or five of them all being in the same range. And with the Steelers' number one need maybe not being a running back, you know, it's tough to say, hey, go get J.K. Dobbins or go get Jonathan Taylor. But, yeah. you know, sliding into the Jaguars, I think, was a good fit for them, especially with them putting Leonard Fournette on the block um, this week. So they could definitely be looking for rebuilding their entire offense, focusing around a new star runner. And he's someone that the Steelers would be lucky to have, in my opinion, because he also was splitting carries his first two years. So he was able to, you know, keep some of the wear off the, off his tires, unlike someone like a Jonathan Taylor, who was asked to take random touches year after year after year. Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes running backs can tend to break down with all that wear and tear. So Dawes will be someone that, if the Steelers were able to get, could definitely be an immediate producer for their offense. So now moving on into the draft, obviously the Steelers don't have a true third-round draft pick, but they did acquire a third-round compensatory pick from losing. Um, was it was it actually from the Bell trade? Wasn't isn't that what the third-round pick is weighted for? I think for this year, I think finally that's from, not for the Bell trade for Bell finally leaving as a free agent. Because I because they definitely didn't get any compensatory pick for Antonio Brown because he was traded, so they that wouldn't have factored in at all. So actually picking up that third round pick, then that means hey, they actually have a third round pick still, even though they traded the third rounder to move up and grab Bush last year. And you have them finally addressing the need that I, I think is one of the biggest on the Steelers, and that is uh, offensive line. Yeah, so the Steelers are in a lucky spot here, and them believing they would get this compensatory pick for Bell leaving a free agency was the reason they traded their third-round pick last year to go and grab Bush. So mm-hmm. it's something that they've definitely been planning for, and here being able to get someone who I slaughtered here, uh, John Simpson, a guard out of Clemson, you know, like you said, offensive line is definitely a big need for them, <clears throat> whether it be an immediate starter or someone that needs to come in and you know, sit for a little while, but then start after year one, you mm-hmm. know, third round, you know, you'll take that. Yeah. So it, 
the Steelers, one of the few pro days they were able to make it to was Clemson's pro day before mm. all this COVID-19 t- came about. Yeah. So they actually met with John Simpson there. You know, they really liked what they saw. There's a lot of rumors going around that they would be targeting him in the third or fourth round. I'm not even sure he makes it to this spot in the third round because mm. he, he, he has a mean streak that a lot of offensive linemen, uh, Sometimes you wish had. Yeah. He he'll turn a small crease in the running game into enough to fit a tractor trailer through. So <laughs> he's someone that can definitely has the strength and has the ability to open up some holes in the running game. And when a when a Rooney says we need to improve the running game, you listen. Yeah. Yep. And and he is also does he also have starting experience at both center and guard at Clemson? So he actually did not start any games at center. Okay. So that's the only kind of downfall would be here. I, you know, the Steelers have DJ Finney for the years who could play guard or center. Mm-hmm. But um, so that may be you know, to, something yeah. that they have to consider. Yeah, is if they want to draft someone that has that split experience. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I thought that they'd be moving toward in this draft. Like I said, if if Cushenberry's there or if Ruiz is there, obviously that's. Those are real easy plug and plays, but that's the fortunate thing that the Steelers did go out and get Wisniewski because he can play center, he can play guard, and he can do it at a high level. He's won two Super Bowls on two different teams, and hopefully he's a good luck charm carrying the Steelers into another Super Bowl if we have to go to him late in the season as a, as a spot starter. I, we're at least covered, in my opinion, for having him to be able to come in five, six games and play at a high level. Yeah, definitely. Signing him gives them all sorts of flexibility along the offensive front, whether they, you know, want to shuffle around some of the tackles to guard, whether, you know, God forbid, you know, an injury happens up there and they need him to fill in or whether they need him to start from day one at guard. Mm. It it gives them a lot of flexibility that is good to have. And that's kind of why they always valued BJ Finney so much because he gave them that flexibility that they didn't have to carry as many interior offensive linemen on the active roster because he could flex back and forth. And I'm going to mention also because I love the way that you're drafting because you, the way that your draft is falling, the pick that goes right before the Steelers, I know the guy and I like the guy a lot. And the other one was uh, Kevon Wallace out of uh, another Clemson safety that could be seen as a money backer in the NFL. Um, and obviously uh, I think he has a lot of promise as well. He could also be in play in that spot as well. What do you think about his game? So Kevon Wallace, he definitely has a – he's going to have a solid place in the NFL. He he has exceptional cover skills. He's done very well at being able to, whether it be covering half the, a deep half of the field for Clemson or whether it be matching up with some guys out of the spot. He excelled at it, and he's a very good athlete that has done very well for Clemson along with uh, his counterpart Tanner Muse on the back end, who I know some people are also mocking to the Steelers in the later rounds. but. Uh, Wallace is definitely one of those pieces that you can definitely move around. He kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit of uh, Cameron Sutton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, his ability to be, he's a um, able to be moved around. It can be a bit of a chess piece where they use Sutton kind of in a dime roll last year where yep. he came in after Hilton or in a lot obvious passing situations, he would even come in for Hilton if they're bigger slots or if they needed to move some pieces around. So yeah. he's someone that can you know, flex between that slot corner, that safety, and mm. even come down into the box if needed because he is definitely a willing tackler, a willing hitter. He hasn't mm. been a, he hasn't shied away from contact. So he he definitely kind of had that Steelers mindset with him because we all know the Steelers will not draft someone who is afraid to tackle or afraid to help support the run. Yeah. So he, he, I like his game a lot. I like a lot of these Clemson guys. Um, game a lot, and I'm sure the Steelers do too, because it's one of the few pe- few teams that they were able to see at a pro day. So it might result in a couple of them being drafted. And the last player that I wanted to touch base on is the one you have going in the immediate next pick. It's the edge player from Florida that you have slotted to the Eagles at 103. Yeah, so I actually had uh, this particular player slotted to the Steelers in a couple of the weekly mocks I've done. Yeah. Um, Jabari Zuniga. Mm-hmm. Um, he He's one of those players that he will be best suited as a 
situational pass rusher coming in early on in his career. He isn't quite that complete player yet, but he has immense upside. He is a hell of an athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, he just needs to work on some of the finer things of the game, but I think that his guys level with him. He has the capability of being a 4-3 defensive end or being a 3-4 outside linebacker, how the Steelers utilize uh, Watt Dupree. And uh, being able to come in and rotate behind those two and then you know, potentially even take over for Dupree next year if the Steelers can't come to a long-term agreement with him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would definitely be a good pick to where he can become a long-term starter for them and he has all the athletic upside his actual weakness right now appears from the little bit i've seen um actually of game film of florida is he just needs to get a little stronger holding up against the run which we all know mm-hmm. Steelers outside linebackers need to do really well yeah and bud dupree and tj watt are some of the best in the business at it bud dupree's probably the best run defending outside linebacker in the game mm-hmm. so yeah. he would he would compliment them well because Dupree's such a good run defender and Watt as well and being able to spell them in obvious passing situations or even send all three on the field in obvious passing situations mm-hmm. and really confuse the offense of where that rush is going to come from. He's a player I like a lot and think has a lot of upside. That's great. And this draft, like we were talking, wide receivers insane in this draft. I mean, you usually look in drafts and once you start getting to the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you've got, you know, players you don't know or don't put up a lot of stats, might be fast but not but are an unknown as far as productivity, but just test well. But here, like I'm looking down in some of these receivers that are slotted to go sixth and seventh rounds, you still got, you know, players that are right around a thousand yards, uh, receiving right around eight, seven, eight, nine touchdowns for the year. Four <laughs> sub four five speed. You've still got some size deep in this draft. I mean, this is probably the most insane draft I have seen just for complete talent and wide receivers the whole way through. Yeah, it is definitely a very deep draft for wide receivers, and it's there's not a big drop off yeah. either, which is kind of crazy. It's you know you slowly are working your way down through the talent, and there's. You know, you have guys like Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky. You know, he's a electrifying player. Mm-hmm. You have guys like uh, the running back out of Memphis. Yeah. Um, his name's actually escaping me right now, but he can play running back. He can play receiver. I have him, I think, slotted in the third round of my mock draft. Mm. You have guys like Kendrick Rogers out of Texas A&M. Um, you, there's a lot of lot of great talent in this draft, that wide receiver, and mm. you're, you're going to find some steals in the later rounds. So we know that wide receivers de- deep. We know that tackle is pretty deep this year as well, having that size and mobility pretty, you know, going down through four, four, five rounds. And it seems. So, what other positions do you see as being deep in this specific draft? So there's a. It's kind of I'm kind of torn on this one because mm-hmm. it's wide receiver and offensive tackle being so deep this year almost makes the other positions that are deep yeah. not look as deep. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like kind of hard to compare because wide receiver and offensive tackle, there's so many of them yeah. that, you know, it's you're like, oh, well, there's some of these players available in the later round. They're all this position, but there's still not as many wide receivers and tackles. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> this draft, it's definitely deep on – you know, offensive line all throughout the interior offensive line is pretty deep as well to add to those tackles. So the fact that the Steelers have needs there, yeah, definitely a good sign. Um, there's yeah. a lot of good safety prospects as well in the later round. You have someone I mentioned in yeah. um, Tanner Muse going later. There's Fuller out of Ohio State. You know, there's a couple of different ones. Um, safety out of Maryland. He's, there's a there's a lot of guys who could really step up and play uh, later rounds out of safety and. It's kind of on the, kind of almost emphasizes how shallow some of the other areas are, in my opinion, with how deep some of these areas are. Yeah, because you you start looking at some of the later rounds, and you look at you know linebackers, it's like oh great, there's you know you got a few linebackers, but I feel I could see easily only four, five middle linebackers going in the top 100. Yeah, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah, that's insane. you know linebackers are the core of your defense, and you're talking okay. You only got five, maybe six that are going to be drafted in the first three rounds. It's, oh, wow, <laughs> it's crazy to think of. Yeah, it is, and it, it, it's amazing too. We have 
you know, moving forward for the Steelers' needs, at least. I mean, we've already discussed, you know, I think it's probably pretty safe to say they're probably going to address both the tackle spot and an interior lineman spot, possibly guard-center hybrid, in this draft with two of their picks. It's just so deep, and, and obviously we've been talking wide receiver. And so when we've been going through on the Steeler Nation forum side, discussing the actual needs on the Steelers, and when we started splitting it down and looking at it individually, obviously you're right as well. Top three, we're set at receiver, but we don't have that fourth receiver. We don't have that speedy guy. I tried to be, tried to use Johnny Holton last year, and he had he had trouble catching anything really when we were trying to design some plays to specifically utilize his speed and size and, and ability to get open. But either the connection wasn't there on the pass or the route wasn't, was defended. But I mean, if you're looking at right now, if you want to pull in one of these tall, fast, you know, six foot four receivers, that seem to be all over this draft. I mean, that's instantly going to be your number four guy because he's a rookie. You don't have to expect him to go out there and do a whole heck of a lot. So that's, that can be a really good piece. But then conversely, there's one other big need, I, I think along for the Steelers, um, wide receiver crew is they don't have a true legitimate shifty slot receiver. Obviously they like using Juju Smith Schuster as the big slot. So when they bring CJ into the X receiver position and then that slots uh, Washington in as the Z, but then when they're going for wide receiver, if they want to go quick, they don't have that player that can plug and play in the other slot spot. Now, now you could go things. If you do get that tall rangy wide receiver, you just have Washington and the new guy play on the outside or you bring CJ and, 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 and J Juju on the inside and that can work. And I think that could be really explosive as well. But that could also be a target later in the draft is finding more of a quick twitch guy, maybe somebody that can also help out in the return game on kickoffs. I know we pretty much set now with DJ as the punt returner since he made the second team all pro last year. Uh, got that great award for his ability to, to show what he could do with the ball in his hands late in the year. I mean, he really put up some big numbers in punt returns. So fortunately, that's a little bit less of a need this year as well, since we got some success out of out of Deontay Johnson. Yeah, definitely. Being able to have find someone like Johnson in the third round has definitely helped their <clears throat> wide receiver core kind of develop and makes wide receiver more of a, you know, nice to get. And while it is a need, it's one of those, if you can't snag one until, you know, the third or fourth or fifth round, yeah. it might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And like you said, they don't have necessarily that guy who has excelled in the slot. And there's... Mm -hmm. There's several guys like that in this draft. I yeah. mean, you got KJ Hamler out of Penn State, mm. KJ Hill out of Ohio State, mm -hmm. guy I mentioned earlier, Lim Bowden out of Kentucky. All kind of similar to where they're quick, not necessarily fast, but they're really quick. Yes, get open really fast. Yep, can do a lot of work out of the slot. Yep. And it, there are people who can be very available anywhere from their second round pick down to their fifth round pick, depending on how the draft falls. So mm. they have that opportunity. So then moving to the defensive side of the line, we've gone through and assessed, I mean, really, there's no holes on the starting lineup in for the Steelers on defense. They've got great, great players at the initial spots for every single position, aside from one now who the, you know, old school Steeler fans, we love nose tackles. And that's a big thing in, in our hearts, you know, the big Joel Steeds and the Casey Hamptons and those guys that plug up that middle and take up two blockers, but it seems to be really moving away in the Steelers game. They they utilize their defensive linemen more in the three-tech if they're going interior, and then they have everybody else playing on the outside, maybe to a five or seven. But, but I mean, this year, it's it, honestly like I just had a interview too. I, I interviewed um, Chris Wormley, the new defensive lineman that we just traded for the Ravens yesterday. And I was fishing for questions for him because I'm like, hey, uh, did you ever play any nose tackle? And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so you could really tell that he didn't he's not seeing himself as a nose tackle, but which is fine because Hargrave, he'd play the three tech. He wasn't really lined up at the zero a whole heck of a lot. But, you know, they love having that diverse player and that athletic player to, to spell to it, to spell uh, Hayward and to be able to come in and rotate and still play at a high level and I think that's where his talents are going to lie but that is the only spot the our only true nose tackle on the roster right now is Dan McCullers and Dan McCullers is that guy that just keeps hanging around year after year after year after year after year after year came in the same 
year as Foster, and both of them were undrafted rookie free agents in that same season. I, what was that? Like, it was 03 or something? I don't think it was that. No, no, it wasn't that, that Larry. I will be looking up here quickly. But, uh, but man, I mean, that is just something else to have him still be one of the longest tenured Steelers in any sports team that the Steelers have. And it's Dan McCullers. He's just the one guy that just always tends to be on the roster. Yeah, McCullers is one of those guys you always have that high hopes for because he is a massive, massive human being. But um, I think the Steelers are still holding out a little bit of hope, and he, he he's able to rotate in and give you know a couple snaps here and there to really some guys last year, especially after Tua went down. But um, yeah, it's shocking to think of that he's been around for so long. Yeah, since two thousand and nine. So now they are entering their eleventh season. He's, he's entering his eleventh season which is amazing because usually when you say, oh, Steelers got that player that's going to be on the team for a decade, Dan McCullers is that guy. <laughs> and yeah. it, it just ended up being for nose tackle depth <laughs> and really our only nose tackle, but we just don't utilize that position and value that position and, and therefore don't have to pay the kind of money that we used to have to pay comparatively to like a Casey Hampton um, for a guy that's essentially, you know, not getting a whole lot of snaps every game, maybe up to 20, 30 max, but um. But yeah, it's 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 really interesting how that entire position has kind of shifted the way that the Steelers utilize more defensive backs now, trying to get more linebackers on the field. And now, if you institute a money backer, that's kind of going to take a little bit of pressure off of having that nose tackle spot. You can have those defensive ends playing in to between the three and the five, and just have the outside linebackers playing off of them. For are they going to rush? Are they not going to rush? And you got a lot of different options you're able to do both in the passing game and in the running game to be diverse and create some havoc for opposing offenses. And I wanted to touch base at least. So we're set uh, as far as starting positions all the way down the line. The only thing that the Steelers need is depth. And that is the, the biggest spots where they're looking open for depth is an inside linebacker. They could use an extra player there because they have um, Ulysses Gilbert and Robert Spillane technically right now as their only backups to um, to Bush and Williams, but that's definitely a spot where you could bring somebody in to hopefully rotate in with Williams, find a cover guy, somebody maybe a, 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 like we were talking earlier, somebody that can replace what Barron did and all those snaps that he he gave us last year, helping us out in the coverage game as well. And you also need a little bit more help with your safety depth as well, because safety depth, we're looking at Marcus Allen and Dangerfield behind Minka and Edmonds. If you have an injury there, you, you, you want to have somebody come in that hopefully can give a spark and still play at a high level. And I, I think that there'd definitely be a bit of a drop off if any of those two had to come onto the field. Yeah, definitely. And you touched on the Steelers definitely could use some depth and this is, well, we need that depth. This isn't a great draft for how deep finding deep linebackers yeah. later in the rounds. You know, a lot of the linebackers you're finding late rounds are, you know, they're the traditional Thumpers, they're yeah. the Vince Williams who, well, Vince Williams is a um, hell of a linebacker in the early downs. Mm-hmm. Getting him covering, you know, tight ends down the seam, it's not his strong suit. He can do it, and he's definitely shown that he has the ability at times, but yeah. it's not it's not putting him in his best position to succeed. So there's a, there's a definite need, especially filling, backfilling that to make sure, you know, they have that versatility and making sure if for some reason something were to happen, you know, injuries or suspensions or anything of that nature, they have someone that they can plug in. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the guys that they would consider there, you know, like a Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, you probably need to take him in the, in the second or third round. You likely wouldn't get him much later in that. Um, you know, someone who's fast and can cover, you know, come in and be the cover guy, someone that you can pair next to Bush on those long downs, and even someone, you know, like a Sean Bradley out of the Temple, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily have that, you know, true dominant experience as a linebacker, but he's one of the few that has that speed that can, yeah. you know, do what you're asking him to do. And that brings us back into that money backer conversation now, because like you're saying, there isn't a whole lot of depth late for linebackers. Steelers need to fill some spots, both for depth for safety and uh, inside linebacker. And they could kill two birds with one stone by picking up a money backer. That's a guy that you can plug and play for depth at safety. The guy you can plug and play for depth at 
inside linebacker and maybe bring them in on receiving downs for inside linebacker if you don't want um, Williams to be a liability in coverage. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a, you know, that dimebacker, moneybacker, I think someone that could be available with their second and even potentially their third round pick is Kyle Duggar. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's early. Yeah. But and he's out of small school, out of Lenore Ryan, but he is the prototypical dimebacker size. This dude is 6'2", 225 pounds, mm. and runs a 4-4 and is just an absolute athlete. So there are the questions about him with a, going to a smaller school and not playing at the level of competition, but if you're looking to fill that role and you say, hey, this is a role we have to fill, yeah. they did it last year by signing Barron and signing him to a decent-sized contract that that could definitely be a potential there. And someone I mentioned earlier, Tanner Muse, it's, mm-hmm. he could be one of those guys as well. There was talks about him needing to move to linebacker mm-hmm. at the next goal today and think he'd be fast enough after being a safety at Clemson because he came in the combine 6'2", 215, 220 pounds, mm-hmm. performed very well in the bench press, but looked strong, looked big, looked like he could fill in in that role and then came out and ran a 4-4. Four, four. Wow. And people were like, <laughs> oh, wow, could could he stick at CC? And people were wondering, you know, do, does he have to move down? But he's someone that could be had, you know, in the fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth round, depending on how things unfold, that could fit that role perfectly. Well, Matt, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for joining us and giving all of your wealth of knowledge. And I love how you really have the college game studied and being able to give all Steeler Nation your insight, not only just in, in, a little bit outside of you know, your articles, which we love your articles as well, but now it's nice to get and hear your actual decisions, too, and your decision-making process. So I really appreciate you joining us today and, and helping out Steeler Nation to get a better idea what the Steelers are going for this year. Definitely. I'm glad to be on with you anytime, Striker. And, you know, the draft is uh, definitely a big part of the year for a lot of people, especially right now. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. diving in, not focusing on the NBA, not focusing on spring training, the MLB. It's been yeah. All NFL draft, all college football. You know, it's nice. It's crazy time to where there's a lot of information out there, more than ever, and there's more eyes on it. So, being able to dive in like this and being able to get some of the in-depth stuff is, you know, I love it. And being able to share it with the rest of Steeler Nation, the rest of our fans, and the rest of the Steeler fans out there, you know, give them some targets, give them a little different insight on where people rank and what positions they may need and what positions they may target heading into the draft. You know. Love being able to share that with people. Awesome. And Steeler Nation, if you guys want to follow Matt directly, please check out how check him out on Twitter at Matt underscore Papiernik. That's at M-A-T-T underscore P-A-P-I-E-R-N-I-K. Also Instagram at Champagne underscore underscore Pap. That's C-H-A-M-P-A-G-N-E underscore underscore P-A-P. And I'll have both of those listed on the podcast page so you can copy and paste if you don't weren't able to write it down as quickly as i can talk hey steeler nation fans make sure to come over to steelernation.com for the best football forum and steelers news on the internet we're going to have a fun forum i know going on through the draft days so come on over and join the conversation with that as well you may tweet us at steeler nation or instagram us at steelernation.com thanks again for joining us at the steelernation.com podcast I'm your host, G. Stryker, with Matt Papiernik, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!